Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. Oh boy, they gave me a microphone. Everybody runs scared. Welcome back to the Performance Motorsports Network, and those of you brave enough to tune in for the next two hours, well, I feel sorry for you. Actually, no, I don't, because it's going to be a fun two hours. We're going to have a good time, like we always do. Yes, we are. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, holy crap, I can say that again, and Cisco Scaramuza, back at a roundtable for a Monday night, and after a couple of weeks away, James is back from across the pond. I love this already. There's an ocean, but there's not, so... I, I, what what do we do here, James? You're here, but you're not. It's the whole Schrodinger's cat thing or something. I don't know. Schrodinger's cat? <laughs> I was about to say, that's a reference I have not heard in a long, long, long while. Wow. But I think the obvious place to start with is, hey, we did NASCAR things over the end. Hey, <laughs> Ryan Newman was the guy that Chase Elliott couldn't pass. Hey, Kyle Busch won his second race in a row. Hey, everybody else should be scared. Hey, Man, RCR really just wants to forget that weekend, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 just a bit. And also, hey, we have Cole Custer back in studio with us, and we'll get to Cole in just a moment when we go around our table here. But James is right. Kyle Busch won his second straight playoff race, Tom, and I agree with him. If I'm the rest of the field, I'm running scared because this looks like 2015-era Kyle Busch where he obliterated everybody and won a championship. Yeah, well, he still likes taking bows, too, and he does that very well. And you know what? That win was about as improbable as it gets. I mean, it was right to the end. Chase Elliott seemed to have the race in control. Led, and all led, of a sudden, led, led. Kyle just found another gear. I mean, that's really he was he had the faster car at the end. And, you know, I know that Chase really put a lot on himself after that race, thinking that he gave it away. Mm-hmm. I don't really see that he gave it away necessarily. No. I, I can agree with Kyle maybe in saying that, well, maybe he could have tried running a different line there at the end, but nobody's to say that that would have worked any better. Kyle had a fast car. And I also don't believe that Ryan Newman was holding Chase up in any real no, direct way. No, Ryan Newman wasn't you know. holding Chase up. The lap traffic that was too wide in front of both Ryan Newman and Chase Elliott was holding Chase Elliott up. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, even at that, I mean, Chase Chase ran a great race. It just didn't work out for him. And it's it's got to be heartbreaking for him. And I mm-hmm. feel for him because to come so close so many times, Jacob and not get the win it's it's just gut-wrenching I'm sure but I do believe before this chase this but there's a dollar I do believe before the playoffs are over if chase keeps running the way he is he'll get that win the 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 chase reference was because of chase that we got the chase thank you for saving me that I'll I'll take the dollar back now yeah something like that James Ricky Stenhouse was also a very lucky man not only because he advanced to the round of 12 but he really probably shouldn't have, if not for what you wrote about earlier today, as a matter of fact. His crew chief making a doggone brilliant call. Stage points, stage points, and stage points. I don't know if brilliant call is exactly the way that I'd yeah, put it. It's but equal parts brilliant and lucky. 
Yeah, yeah, and it just worked out on the right side of Lucky for him. You know, he he came through and got the caution when he needed when Jeffrey Earnhardt went around and was able to, I think, maintain his position in the last 20 laps. Mm -hmm. To me, that's almost more impressive than the actual staying out to get the track position bit of all of this is that after we got the restart, Stenhouse was able to stay up there with fresh tires and hung on to stage points that ultimately got him into the round of 12. Also, fun thing to note, it's the first time any RFR driver has been this far since Carl Edwards was driving with the team back in 2014. So uh -huh. a, a bit of uncharted territory, but I think it speaks a lot to the sort of resurgence that yeah, they've had this year and how much they've managed to improve this year as opposed to, you know, 16 and 15, which were just miserable years by their standards. Yeah. Well, I think part of that comes from the fact that those were the years after they had lost Carl and they really had a tough time finding their way with Greg Biffle and that whole scenario. It, things are looking up over there. Things are also looking up in the SHR camp because we put Kevin Harvick on into the next round. It was kind of a 50-50 day on the cup side, but this is, this is where we make the transition. The Xfinity side also looking up. One race to go in round one there, and the guy who's looking to put them in the second round in the Xfinity series is back with us in advance of Charlotte this weekend. So, Cole Custer, A, welcome back, and B, since the last time we talked in this room, you've won two straight stages at Kentucky, contended for the win at both Kentucky and Dover. It's got to be a pretty good time to be you over at Stuart Haas right now, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. We're, uh, I think we're just hitting our stride at the right time, and we've uh, everything's just coming together at the right time, too. I mean, it's just... Uh, We've been sorting through a bunch of different things throughout the year, being a new team and a new driver. So I think uh, we're just we're we find what our cars like and what I like, and we're just trying to put it all together right now. Well, you and the guy that's been kind of guiding you through this season both seem to be doing a pretty good job of that. With Harvick advancing out on Sunday in Dover, maybe not the best day for Stuart Haas on the Cup side, but I know between the two of you, I know he's helped in a way kind of give you some of the little things that you've been able to take through the first part of this playoffs, if nothing besides just managing, uh, you know, managing the pressure a little bit and just kind of compartmentalizing what you need on a given day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kevin's been huge to me all uh, all year, just kind of knowing what I want to do when I first get on the racetrack during the weekend. But uh, and also, I mean, I talked to him a little bit before the playoffs started, and just trying to get an idea of what the racing was going to be like and what I needed to do in there. And uh, he gave me a lot of advice of just being patient, taking what the car gives you, and just not throwing it away in this first round is the biggest thing. Well, you certainly haven't done that. I mean, it's it's no. been uh, it, it's been a good round for you so far. And you're coming to a track where you ran very well in the spring in one of your earlier attempts in the Xfinity Series. Now you've got X amount more experience and much more comfort level. You have to feel good about coming back home and doing this again at Charlotte, right? Yeah, I think so for sure. We had a really good run there earlier in the year. And uh, I think there's no reason why we can't you know, run top five and compete for another win this weekend. But uh, it only takes one mistake 
to ruin your whole chase or playoffs. So it's uh, just got to make sure you do everything right. There's a dollar in Cole's jar for the night. (laughs) (laughs) We were still thinking about Chase Elliott. Exactly. Exactly. We'll bail him out. That'll be our excuse for the night. I was talking with Cole, Tom, before we came on air here that uh, there is one surefire way that he can lock himself in before the checkered flag ever flies. All he has has to do is do what he did at Kentucky. If he wins the first two stages, he'll actually score enough points irregardless of the finish, to know he's going on to the next round. Kind of like what Denny Hamlin and Matt Kenseth did with their stage point hauls on Sunday. Well, of course, he could also win the last stage, and that would also put him through to the this next round. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. He wouldn't need to bother with the first two. But <laughs> a sweep is good. Yeah, for sweep sure. Would be good. If we could do that, that would be pretty impressive. <laughs> that would be the ultimate day right there, yeah. especially at home at Charlotte. Obviously, this is a big weekend for all the teams since so many of them are based here, Tom. And, you know, it's it's an interesting placement, Cisco, for Charlotte. The end of round one for the Xfinity Series, the start of round two for the Cup Series, and each race with its own caveat going into this weekend because you're either starting around strong or you're looking to stay alive. You're looking to stay alive. And I also want to point out that we mentioned the two series. We forgot to mention the third series because, oh, yeah, by the way, they're not even running this weekend. So No, they were running this past weekend. We'll get to that a little later in this hour. But it's still Charlotte. I mean, you know, we, you and I last week jumped on the Jimmy Johnson hype train because it was Dover. And he ran third. Oh, by the way. But we're getting to another Charlotte track, and... This is going to work another Charlotte track like there's more than one on the schedule. (laughs) But nonetheless, um, this is going to be another good track for Hendrick. And I'm going to go to you on this, Tom, because you and I have been very critical of a certain Hendrick driver uh, a couple times this season. And he's another guy who had a really good run this weekend. Well, if you're talking about Dell Jr., I've been critical of Jr. Just the the fact that the team overall has been just not there for a lot of the year. They've been trying hard. They just haven't mm-hmm. been getting the results. And you're right. Cisco Jr. had a phenomenal run over the weekend, and it was great to see him do that. Yeah, And really I was. hope that this is an ongoing thing. We're coming up on some tracks that Jr. and, for that matter, Hendrick Motorsports in general, are <coughs> very, very good at. Yeah, well, but Charlotte and Martinsville, and, yeah, you know, there, there are a number of those tracks that they're really strong at. So I think... You know, if if the team can just keep itself, use this as a momentum boost, confidence boost, then, you know, we could see Junior run pretty well at Charlotte here this weekend, too. In the category of things that would make the fan base very, very happy, I'll add a, a, a Junior run in the top 10. Cole, Cole's nodding. You, you, you've been around him long enough to know how that works. You drove for him in the trucks. Oh, there's no doubt. The world, the whole NASCAR nation would go uh, definitely wild over that. It would be a... A really sight to see, really, for sure. It would uh, really be a good, good thing for the sport. What's it been like for you kind of watching this last season for him play out? I know it's a little bit away from kind of the racing that's happened and what's coming, but this is his last race at home. You got a chance to drive for him back when you were running the truck. I mean, what what's it been like to, to you know, be a part of that and then to see what he's done this year and, and just kind of knowing from inside a little bit, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, Dale's been, you know, the biggest icon for our sport for the last 15 years probably. So, I mean, he's uh, definitely been a hero to me when I was growing up, and it was awesome to drive for him for a little while. And 
I, I hope he really ends the season strong. I think that Dover run was a really run that they needed that they can take and build some momentum off of. But I think uh, they'll have a shot out to win these last few races, and we'll see what they can do. All right, we're going to step aside real quick. We got a lot more coming in this first hour with Cole Custer. And on the NASCAR front, we get to talk about a first-time winner out on the West Coast. That got us all really excited on Saturday night. And uh, still more to talk about from Dover. So we'll continue talking NASCAR playoffs when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're just getting started right here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, and special guest host Cole Custer around the round table here. Talking racing, talking NASCAR playoffs, and Tom, you mentioned it off the top. We'll get to it a little bit more here, but it was not good for four guys at the end of Dover. And James is the one that said it was a, a day for RCR to forget. They yeah. put two guys in, I would argue, on a couple of very lucky breaks. And two guys go out at the end of round one of the playoffs. And I, I want to add this because the way this first elimination for the playoffs set with me after I thought about it Sunday night, Really, the four guys who I felt like personally lucked their way into the playoffs were the four guys that got eliminated here. Kurt Busch didn't do squat after he won the Daytona 500. Sorry, SHR, just being honest here. Um, the two RCR guys, 
you know, that was pure luck on both of those wins. The fuel mileage gamble that paid off for Austin in the 600 and then Ryan's uh, tire gamble to win at Phoenix. And then you had the five of Casey Kane. We all know the Brickyard story. I mean, it was the four guys with no momentum, really. Well, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. I don't know if I want to say Kurt Busch didn't do squat. I think there there are a number of teams this year who showed speed but just had bad luck. And, you know, well, Cole and I, I were I talking mean, about juniors. Being, yeah. They, they've just been way off, you know, and, and it, it I think Kurt and I think also when you think about RCR, you can't really – I don't think you want to attribute all of that to just luck with even Austin at Charlotte because they had to put themselves in that position to be up front at the end and take advantage of the opportunity to do what they did. That's how you right. win in the Cup Series. But, and Ryan, but my the same point, way. My point is, though, it's the four those four cars, other than the single races that they won, weren't racing for top fives and wins no, anywhere that's true. else. That's very true. But see, the playoffs sometimes can be fickle like that. You get a driver that just suddenly gets hot. Yeah. You know, see Tony Stewart in 2011. I mean, yep. you know, that was, or Jimmy Johnson a couple of years because there have been times when, you know, Jimmy has just been flat for most of the season, gets into the playoffs and suddenly just becomes unbeatable again. And that's how he wins championships. So really, mm -hmm. I I think it's hard to make judgments about, well, these four kind of were the four we figured would be out. They were I the actually, four I had going out, just, well, just saying. See, I I wasn't sure, to be honest, that we weren't going to see a Jamie McMurray or, I mean, let's face facts here. Dover's a, a really different kind of track, and yeah. all it takes is one mistake or one, one piece of bad luck. Track. And, <laughs> yeah, and you're out of it. So, but... I think those guys are all still going to have something to say, especially I, agree. I think Austin Dillon's going to have something to say again at Charlotte this weekend. I think he'll be up in the top 10. And again, he knows how to win now. I know it's yeah. not the 600, but still. Still. James, I find the Ricky Stenhouse case, I want to circle back to that for a minute because Ricky this weekend showed us how valuable those stage points really are in an elimination sense. And three out of the four guys who were eliminated in this first round had a big whopping goose egg on the stage points category in the three races of round number one. How important are stage points going to be going forward? Just as important as the wins, I think, because lost in all of this, we also have to consider the fact that the extra points that Ricky Stenhouse got for winning at Daytona also inevitably helped him to get into the round of 12. So, yeah. uh, you know, both both of them, I think the, the entire system was designed to make sure that you put an emphasis on where you finish at the end of stages and where you finish at the end of the race. Yep. That's why they set it up this way in the first place. And uh, no surprise that the one guy of those four that exploits the system the best is the one that advances in my book. I think that's, you know, just playing to the point system. And I think for a lot of these drivers, I'll, I'll be curious to see who mm -hmm. takes a note and takes cues from Stenhouse here in the round of 12 and does the same sort of thing to get a spot in the round of eight. Cisco, Jamie McMurray advances for the first time in the this playoff era. 
are we going to see something out of Jamie here? Or is this one of those where he got out of round one, but round two is probably where it runs out? I don't want the latter to be true, but it's probably going to happen because I just, I wish, I wish, man, but I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. I want it so bad to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. That 42 is very good and Jamie's a good driver, but I, unless, unless he turns into 2002, Jamie McMurray at Charlotte in the, in the, in the fall race. I, you know, I don't know, man. Well, I see, and that's, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, this is the perfect opportunity. Yeah, it is, because four of his seven career wins have come at two of the three tracks in this round. He's won twice at Charlotte and twice at Talladega. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I'm not going to count J-Mac out yet. Remember... This is a guy, this is, he's a veteran racer, and yeah. I think Chip Ganassi Racing as a whole is really on a huge upswing this, this year on both sides, Xfinity and Cup, mm-hmm. and I think that Jamie may be poised to take advantage. We'll have to see. Remember, the even the four drivers we just talked about that are out, there's nothing more dangerous than a driver with nothing to lose, yeah. and all those four get to play for now is race wins. They don't care about points anymore, really. Yeah, see Kurt Busch especially yeah. because there's some really good Kurt Busch tracks coming Absolutely. up in these final seven races of the season. All right, trucks in Las Vegas. Hello, Ben Rhodes. Welcome to the fraternity. <laughs> it's about time, isn't it? Isn't it, though? We got a smile on a coal over there. It's it. You know, Cole, I mean. He raced with Ben in the, in the K&N series way back when. I know that was a while. Well. Not too long ago. Say, not but... that long ago. <laughs> um, y- you got to be happy for this kid. I mean, he's he's lost a race about every which way you could lose it this year. That wasn't really his fault, and now uh, he comes out and finally gets a win. And what a finish as well, Cole. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ben's been Ben's a great guy, and everybody wants to see Ben win. And uh, he's been doing, I think, an awesome job this year. He uh, he's been taking a lot of trucks and running really good for him, even when they probably shouldn't be running that high mm-hmm. in the yeah. field. So I think uh, he – and obviously I think this weekend he really earned it because he uh, – they didn't have the fastest truck. The four truck was definitely uh, the class of the field, I would say. But he they figured out a way to win, and he was able to hold them off those last, you know, ten laps or so for sure. And it wasn't I f- easy. I felt like he just willed it. Like it was one of those times when you just – you make the truck – Six feet wider than it, it. He was not going to be denied that win. Chris Bell tried everything. Yeah, I mean, he was he he ran a really smart race. Honestly, he uh he just used the air to clean air to his advantage and just tried to put Chris in the most dirty air that he could. Honestly, and just uh that's what you got to do when you don't have the fastest truck. So he was uh definitely played that race perfect. It seems say. like in the trucks that's even more important than necessarily an Xfinity or Cup clean or dirty air. Yes, no. Yes. Because they're so boxy, they they can't. When you get in dirty air, it just kills you. And they're mo- those things are really momentum based. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, when you when you lose some momentum and get in dirty air, you're gonna lose a lot of time. But not saying that the cup guys, cup cars, and the Xfinity cars aren't bad, but the trucks are pretty extreme. James has a question here. Well, not necessarily a question, but just uh, I think we need to emphasize. And unless I'm crazy, but for Ben. I have to believe that this has been coming for a while now. I oh, think yeah. especially yeah, Kansas, Kansas is the one that jumps mm-hmm, out to me yeah. where he 
probably could have won that race if not should have won that race going it was south his, that with a handful of laps to go yeah and you look at what he's done since then for the most part outside of you know kentucky and eldora where he got stuffed in the fence and torn all to pieces um since that kansas race he's finished outside of the top 10 twice that's uh-huh. scary it, it that's is skilled that speed and not I, I still think Chris Bell's probably got the fastest truck in that field, but if there's a little bit of a hiccup from that team, I think the level that Ben Rhodes and this 27 team are executing at right now makes them a very, very, very formidable group that you're going to have to pay attention to and beat heads up in order to win the title. And he can breathe now. He doesn't have to worry about Talladega because he has a win and he is in to the round of six. Now, I want to go to Cisco on this since you are in closest proximity of any of us to the Thor Sports shop and make a couple of points here because Ben did some special things on Saturday night. He became the first driver not named Crafton or Sauter to win a race for Thor Sport since... 1998 when Terry Cook did it at Flemington and he becomes just the fourth driver in Duke Thorson's history in the truck series to win a race for that team Cisco this is a big big deal and it was a good weekend for them just in general because Cody Coughlin finished sixth career best finished seventh yeah and they were up there all day so I mean this is I'm kind of drawing parallels to what we talked about at the beginning of the playoffs with us talking about junior motorsports, because you look at, you know, BKRs up there as well. GMS had a truck up, had, had two trucks in the top 10, I should say, because Sutter mm. did finish 10th. These, you know, we talk about all the cup guys and all the cup guys. Basically, I'm talking about Kyle Bush coming down into the trucks and just destroying absolutely everyone. Bush only had one guy in the top 10. Yes, it was Christopher Bell. Yes, it's Christopher Bell. And yes, it's Christopher Bell. But, you know, this is allowing, you know, this is showing that these guys kind of, Thorson and that whole group at Thorsport are kind of having an eight, a, a, a Hendrick-style resurgence towards the end of the season. And it's really cool to see. Also, before I go, Timothy Peters. Shout out to him, P11. Yeah, in the Young's Motorsports truck. I was really happy really to see well. Timmy have a solid run in that. Uh, you know, just a great thing to see for the whole Zero Two team, Tom. And the fourth Thor Sport truck, oh, by the way, Grant Enfinger went four wide to go to second behind yeah. Ben in the final laps. The only reason he didn't finish up there, too, was because he and Ryan Truex had a little coming together and Grant got a piece of the wall with about three laps to go. Yeah, that was just, I thought, one of the best races of the year in yes. any of the series, to be honest. Yes. That was a really, really exciting race. They really put on a good show. And it was great to see the Thor Sport team as a whole do what they did. That and was it, that was the most complete race I've seen out of them since the fire. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and, it, and the thing is, couldn't come at a better time right. at this point in the right. season because, you know, a lot still to be decided, I think, for next year. I agree with that. Now... Dear NASCAR, more standalones. Signed, everybody. (laughs) At least everybody at this table. We're stepping aside for a moment when we come back. More motorsports conversation right here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even RaceCom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible with locations in mooresville north carolina and danvers massachusetts the staff at hms is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety stop into hms motorsport visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on facebook and tell them the folks from pmn radio sent you what an awesome game What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Modified driver Matt Hirschman, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Oh, I'll dig that music choice. Oh, sure. Yeah, the Stones are always good. Absolutely. Fred and Barney. <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. Thanks, Tom, for making us all feel really, really old. Well, the, the Cole just kind of looked like, I don't know, did, did you ever even get to watch the Flintstones? 
Uh, no, that was before my time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just back when cartoons were good. We can talk <laughs> racing if you want. We had SpongeBob, you know. Yeah, SpongeBob SquarePants. Don't hate on my yellow porous sponge. <laughs> no hate here. Also, very quickly, before we start talking about things, small news point, small funny yeah. point. But I find it hilarious that you did say, can we have more standalone races when this Las Vegas race for the trucks that was a standalone race over the weekend will not be a standalone race in 2018 because that will be part of the first fall triple header at Las Vegas because the Xfinity Series and the Cup guys are coming to town. Boo. Boo. Wow, you're booing. I am booing. The crowd is not happy. No, no. More standalones, less of these triple header weekends, though the only good news about Mm -hmm. this fall triple header next year is that the Cup guys are banned from running the lower two series. That's the only good news. Well, again, I think most all of this table will agree with you. I'm not too sure where Cole fits into there. We're not going to ask him because we're not going to put him in that position. No, no. Anyway, (laughs) all that said, in case you didn't know, you're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, and Cole Custer, who's our special guest for this first hour of tonight's program. Talking racing, and right now going to start previewing the weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And to do that, Cole, you and I got the chance to be down at the track last week. I, I don't know. You, you didn't ever actually have to pick up a paintbrush, did you? Oh, I did. You did? I did. You did? Good, good for you. So we were both in the same boat of trying not to turn pink before it was all over. But we were down for the Race for the Cure event at CMS, paint, painting the pit wall pink. And, my gosh, I know the Xfinity Series race is the drive for the Cure 300. Obviously, October starting Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This was your first time down at this particular Speedway event, and it was just... I, I think you said it to me last week. It was one of those things where you just feel when you're standing there how much more it's about than just racing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whatever we can do outside the car as drivers to help a great cause like that and hopefully make a difference and uh, get them to closer to a cure for breast cancer is definitely a thing that we you know we want to try and make a difference and do. So it's uh, it was cool to see all the you know a lot of strong survivors that were there and it was really cool to see all them and meet meet them. So I'm looking forward to the weekend and seeing what we can do. I was going to say you also got a preview of that trophy. Uh, did did they let you touch it yet or is that reserved for if you win the race on Saturday? It's reserved as uh, <laughs> yeah. It's an incentive, isn't it? It's definitely an incentive. I definitely want to get that trophy. It's really uh I mean obviously I think we all can look at that and say you know what there are some things that are just bigger than the sport and yeah. that's why I love racing so much because I always tell people when they say well why do you why do you like racing so much well it's a lifestyle and mm-hmm. it's a big family and it's situations like that when you see everybody kind of come together and just do something for the sake of the cause and so uh, I'm sure that was a cool opportunity, and I'm sure this would be a, a really special race for you to win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're, it'll be a really cool race to win. I mean, it's definitely a great cause, and hopefully we can uh, just get closer to a cure for breast cancer for sure. Now, Charlotte, 
as we mentioned earlier, site of one of your best runs of the season. And you and I have talked about this before. It's also a track that you have seemed to gravitate to and have been very comfortable at both in your time in the truck series and now in the Xfinity series. Anything in particular? I obviously don't give away all your secrets, but what is it about Charlotte that uh, seems to have fit your driving style or you know made you enjoy it like you have? I have zero idea. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it is not my favorite track. No, it is, uh, would not say I'm comfortable there at all. But it's uh, it's wow. challenging. You've it, made it look a lot easier though. Yeah, it's it's one of the toughest mile and a halfs that we go to. Honestly, why? It's just because I feel like that the pavement there is in a really awkward stage right now. It's right in the middle of starting to get wore out, but it's also still has a fair amount of grip in it. So it's really edgy. A lot of little bumps that are around the racetrack that make it kind of edgy to drive and it's just a really hard track to get a hold of for sure with all the weather changes and everything that goes through the weekend there so it's a tough one and uh i've been lucky enough to drive some good cars there and i think i have figured it out fairly well but it's a definitely a challenging race track that we go to that's interesting very interesting and i guess it kind of speaks to that cisco because a lot of the top drivers in nascar across all three series have won at Charlotte. It seems like that's kind of a hallmark on a top-level career is if you can win at Charlotte, if you can master that racetrack, you've really done something. Obviously, Jimmy, no doubt, with eight victories there, but you go back to all the speed and success that David Pearson had at Charlotte back in the day, Richard Petty. I mean, it takes the best of the best to be able to perform there. And, you know, you add in the motivation of this being the home track for all these teams and a lot of these drivers, and it's it's very motivating to go out there and want to do well in front of your friends, your family, your mm-hmm. your team owners, everything like that. So, you know, that for, for a long time going through, you know, at least the 2000s, that was the track that Hendrick absolutely owned at. And before then, you can talk about Bobby Labonte or Mark Martin or someone who made that place work through the 90s. And as you mentioned, David Pearson beforehand. But you you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of drivers lately. You go down the list of people who won at Charlotte this year. Austin Dillon, Jimmy, okay, no surprise there. Martin Truex, Joey Logano, Carl Edwards, Kevin Harvick, Brad Kay, Clint Boyer, Casey Kane. It list goes on and on. And we mentioned Jamie earlier on. So a lot of drivers, it's it's a place that, you know, I would put it on the same level now that Daytona's on, honestly. James, what do you expect going into this weekend? I liked what Cole referenced earlier, how the pavement is kind of in that in-between stage of being wore out versus being grippy from the from the repave a few years back. Uh, and both races are under the daylight, which adds a whole nother new element to this because we know that uh, Charlotte in the daytime it pulls some of those fluids out of the asphalt. It makes it hot. It makes it slick. And it just makes it evil to drive. Evil to drive, tricky to drive. And I think you're probably not going to be able to bring too much of your notebook from last year's race into play here. Because last year's race, we remember, got rain delayed. So they actually ran it after the cup race on Sunday in the late afternoon and early evening. Oh, that's right. And for a good portion of that race, the track was in shadow and it was kind of run almost under twilight-esque conditions. So this will be different, though, provided the rain holds up. This should be a race that 
we see under the sunlight and it will be much more like the May race than anything else, which is mm-hmm. kind of weird to think about. But that's, I think, really where you're going to pull from. So uh, I would think that if you had a good setup in May, you're probably in line for a good run here. I also think the restarts, they're going to be torrid. They were really, really, really crazy in the spring, I don't see any reason why that'll be different in the fall, and especially now that we have an elimination race. Uh, I don't know if the green flag runs once we get a few of them in, it'll be uh, all that dicey. But if we get a late race restart or two, I expect nothing short of chaos and probably some twisted sheet metal on top of all of that. Restarts. There's a buzzword that we've talked about with Cole a few times, and I think a category that I would argue you've found your stride in a little bit here in the last month or so, because especially in these races you've run well at, at Kentucky and again at Dover, I mean, restarts have really been a big key to that. Yeah, I think I've, that's another thing I've gotten a lot better at throughout the year. At the start of the year, I uh, my restarts, I feel like, weren't really that great, and uh, I've definitely gotten better throughout the year, and I have have a lot more of an understanding to it. It's uh there's a lot that goes into a restart, really. I mean, you have to get up to speed, get through the gears, and then you also have to figure out which lane's going to move throughout the track for the first two laps. So it's uh, it's tough to get a hold of that, but it's really complex, and yeah. you just have to get a, an idea of it. Tougher, I'm sure, for a rookie, especially in your shoes where you've not been doing this as long as far as a full-bodied stock car goes. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's kind of strange because when I was in when I first came into the truck series, I thought I was the best guy on restarts. I was like, <laughs> I, whenever there was a restart, I was you know I'm gonna get a few spots right here. How quickly we learn, yeah, right? And then we quickly learn that it's a lot tougher than I thought it was. So it, it's uh it definitely takes a little learning to get used to. How key is that going to be, Tom? Going into a weekend where so much is on the line, especially in this Xfinity race, where one point could be the difference between advancing or not advancing. I mean, we were talking Sunday, had we gotten a late race caution, a restart could have been the difference between Ryan Newman advancing or not advancing. Well, and see, that's just it. There is a lot of emphasis on restarts because that's where you can take advantage of the opportunity to get a few spots. I mean, you watch a guy like Grant Enfinger, for example, and what he did the other day. You see a lot of two, three, even four wides sometimes on the restarts. Drivers just trying to get as many spots as they can because once you get strung out a little bit, it's much harder to run a guy down and pass him. So, uh, yeah, I think restarts are going to be key. And uh, you can just ask Kyle Larson about that because he's been on both sides of that. Yes, he has been. Won a few and lost a few. Absolutely right. What we're going to do right here is slide away to another break. And when we return, more on the NASCAR conversation, including a look ahead towards who might be some favorites here in these Upcoming round two races for the playoffs. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. 
Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 this is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children name one of the leading killers of u.s children age 1 to 13 what's the best way to protect children in a car crash At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Dalton Sargent. You're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on PMN. Jacob Zielman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, Cole Custer here at the round table talking racing and we are finishing round one of the Xfinity playoffs but we're starting round two of the Cup Series playoffs this weekend and I want to go around the table right here and talk and ask you guys who you think is the in the best position to surprise us in this round which division cup okay top wow my my very first thought here is to go back to the guy we talked about earlier and say Jamie McMurray. Now I don't know if he's got this necessarily got quite the speed that he needs, but I think the tracks suit him very well, and he's had a really good past history at uh, at some of these tracks in this round. I uh-huh. think Jamie might just be the guy that really surprises us and even ends up maybe winning a race, perhaps. Maybe. Or at least, you know, a couple of top ten runs. Top if five, he top can ten finish runs. top ten all the way through this round, I think Jamie has a serious yeah. chance of being able to make the eight. I think it's going to take top fives or a win once you get to the eight. But I still think maybe you can top ten your way through this yeah. round. Cisco? I mean, I'm looking at the list, and honestly – most, if any of these guys made it in to the next round, it wouldn't really surprise me apart from the one of Jamie McMurray and the 17 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Those are the only two names left on the list where if they made it into the next round, I would be surprised. Matt Kenseth, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, sure, they're down the table a little bit, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if they went on a three-week run of having really good races. So the only other guy that would surprise me beyond what uh, Tom just talked about would be Ricky Stenhouse. James? I don't know if he counts as a total surprise, but I think we have to bring this up. Ryan Blaney, in particular at Kansas, has very, very, very good numbers in the heartland. Over the last three races at Kansas, the only guys who have put up more points on the board than that guy in the number 21 car are some shrub-like human, some happy guy, and some guy named Martin Truex. And that's pretty good company to <laughs> some keep. Happy guy. So yeah. <laughs> now I don't I don't know if he'll have the speed at either one of Charlotte or Talladega, and you know it may end up being one of those situations where he needs to win at Kansas if things don't go his way. But if he runs well at the first two races, I'm not too worried about his ability to get through to the round of eight with a good finish at Kansas in the same way that I wasn't really all that worried about Jamie McMurray this weekend because he had had good numbers over. And if not for the engine failure last year, he probably would have made it into the round of 12 last year too. I, yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. However, I'm going to side with James here and I'm going to actually say that it would surprise me if Ryan Blaney advances to the round of eight just because that team has struggled for the consistency so much this season, and you know, none of a lot of it is not any of their fault per se, but you know what? The Wood Brothers were the little team that could several times this year, and Ryan Blaney is the driver, but I'll tell you what, for this team, if they can make it to the round of eight, that would be a huge shot in the arm, not just for them, but for the series as a whole to see that operation be able to continue to have success. It's like I said. It's like I said a minute ago. I don't think you're. I don't think you have to win in this round, but I'll tell you what. You couldn't pick much three better tracks for the Wood Brothers than Charlotte, Talladega, and Kansas because. Those two mile and a halfs, they were very strong on in the spring, and heck, I'd put the Wood Brothers restrictor plate program up against anybody. Period. Cole, would you have a thought on this? Uh, well, it's it's interesting because after the first round, it's really just a dogfight. I mm -hmm. mean, all these guys have shown speed, pretty good speed at one place or another, pretty fairly consistently all year. Yeah. So you really do not know what is going to happen in these next three rounds. But it's, uh, I think Stenhouse is definitely your, your most underdog. He still has Talladega, but, I mean, that's uh See, I kind of never feel know. like they have had this sort of wave of momentum all year long. I mean, they haven't always had the best results, but they've always been able to get what they've needed, I feel like. And so, to me, I sort of feel like Ricky wouldn't be a surprise if he made it to the round of eight, because I just, and again, as you say, Talladega being the wild card, but as a, as a driver, I mean, you're in the, the playoffs as a rookie, no less in the Xfinity series. Does that change the way that you approach a race or the way that you does it add a lot more pressure? Or do you just still kind of go out and do your thing just like you did before it started? Uh, you just kind of have to do your thing. I mean, you just, you got to push yourself to your max. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. you got to get everything out of the, out of the day that you can, honestly. The bar goes up a little bit, doesn't it? The yeah. intensity and the, yeah. But it, uh, you, you really got to, at some point, kind of put it behind you and just right. not 
let the pressure get to you. I was going to say, I'm, I'm with Cole, though, because if you let being in the playoffs change your mentality, you've already lost at that point. Because right. if you try to approach it differently, more often than not, and I'm sure you can speak to this, Cole, from being behind the driver's seat, if you, if you change your mentality – more than likely you're going to fail at that point because you know it, it takes that rhythm of knowing what you need and just as as you guys say every week executing and executing in a similar fashion yeah i think you it's just you got to fire on all cylinders and nothing more i think if you try and get more you're going to you're probably going to hurt your day and you just got to make sure that you get everything out of your car that you can without putting yourself in harm's it way. It feels like to me, too, with both Roush Fenway with Ricky and even the Wood Brothers with yeah. Ryan, it feels like to me those guys should be so elated just to be in the playoffs. Now, obviously, you want to go win the championship, but it's almost like, you know, nobody's expecting you to go do that. So, you know, it's, it's look, every round that you make is a bonus at this point. So just go run your race. Ricky yeah. made a couple of mistakes in the first two races, and – I noticed yesterday, no mistakes. He did a really nice job. And I feel like that's a team that is capable of top 10 or better in every race they run if, they, if they're able to have a good day. Well, I was surprised that they struggled a little bit on speed in yeah. the second half of yeah. the race, though. I, I agree. You know, because they ran very well in the spring. And it was one of those situations where you're just like, hmm, this is a little bit of a surprise. But it's, as we said on Race Chaser Online earlier today, it was James that made the point. Now it's a clean reset. You know, we move on. Right. It's it's a fresh start. And you circle James Talladega. Hello. Um, let's see. Who's won the last two restrictor place races? I'll take the 17 for 500, Alex. I mean that, but let's be honest. I think we all knew that that was a race that Stenhouse and that whole team at RFR had circled from the get-go, and for them it was always a question of if they can survive the round of sixteen because these three tracks that we've just run at are not Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s best. They have a shot to make it to the round of eight solely because of how good they've been at the plate tracks, mm-hmm. and here they are. They've made it through. So now you have to worry about them at Talladega and their Charlotte and Kansas programs haven't been bad of late either. Kansas no. has been a little bit better than Charlotte for him. I think his average finish is just a tick higher out in the Midwest than it is here on home turf. But, you know, we talk about McMurray maybe being able to point his way into the round of eight. If Stenhouse can raise his game just a little bit like that whole team has seemingly been able to do all season i think there's a real chance that he might be able to pull it off too if some of the other drivers in the playoffs have bad days yeah cole's right because it really when it gets to even this point where you're down to 12 they're all capable of going to the next round it's just a dogfight well it it really is every race just has such magnitude to it. You just can't afford a mistake. Well, you look at the way the playoff race at Dover for the Cup Series played out for much of the first half. 11 of the top 13 guys in the race standings were 11 of the 12 guys who advanced to round two. I mean, that's the level that you're playing at at this point. And I think 
We talk about the Cup Series maybe a little bit differently than the Xfinity Series, Cole, because when you figure in some of the cars in the Xfinity Series that are running for owner points, but not necessarily for the Drivers' Championship, that's where you see maybe the playoff contenders, in your guys' case, get spread out just a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit for sure. I mean, it uh, it's still tough, though, because you're still all probably going to run in the top 15. Mm -hmm. So it is hard to space yourselves out from each other because you're all going to probably get a top 15 finish as long as you don't wreck or blow a motor. So it's it's definitely – it's still tough to space yourself out. Well, and I think, too – that's what, if you have a bad day or a blown motor or something goes wrong, that's what makes it so difficult to dig out of a hole. Yeah, exactly, because you blow a motor, you're, space, you're giving everybody such a head start. Yep. Because, uh, like I said, you can't space yourself out if you're all finishing the top 15. So, right, I mean, right. You finish 40th and you're, you're 30 points behind, it's almost impossible to make up. Mm-hmm. Every point counts. That's why those stage wins are big. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and you've been able to bank a couple of uh, playoff points and in good position, obviously, to advance this weekend. How critical do you think that may be going down the stretch, especially when you consider that this next round, providing you advance, then you're talking about every point being critical because it could be the difference in going to Homestead and racing for a championship. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh – it's definitely going to be big, those two points, and hopefully we can get more this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's uh, The next round of the playoffs are going to, you know, hopefully we make it in. As long as nothing goes wrong this weekend, we do our jobs. But I think uh, it it's going to be tough. That next round is a lot of capable guys, like, in our series and like the cup series the next round it's going to be a dogfight, i think to the last one well i know this weekend uh, i know what you're hoping for you're hoping for that trophy we talked about earlier and uh, you know always a pleasure to have you in here so uh, we'll uh, we'll let you scoot on your way but uh, definitely hope to be talking to you in victory lane this weekend after a big win at charlotte i know that's the goal and uh, we'll see what happens yeah i appreciate you guys having me on Cole Custer, always a pleasure to have him in studio. And when we come back, the second half of Motorsports Madness kicks off with Dirt Track Conversation. We'll have Steve Ovens join the party on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness right here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Well, I've been changing, I Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. 
Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. And that's our cue to start hour number two here on Motorsports Madness. We're back from halftime. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and company here on the Performance Motorsports Network talking racing, talking dirt track racing right now with Dr. Dirt. Steve Ovens rejoins the cast. Steve, I know there's a big week up ahead, but before we get to that, there was a big weekend that was, and I really didn't think I was going to get to say this when we were on the air a week ago, but we had four races at the National Open, and we completed four races at the National Open. It's the first time in good grief, quite a while, five or six years, I think, since we have not had weather impact National Open weekend at William Grove. It's a beautiful thing. And holy cow, the parody made it even better. Oh, it sure did. And we talked last week. I really expected that we'd only see about three out of those four uh, feature races completed because of what they had predicted for weather. Fortunately for everybody at Williams Grove, it all stayed north, a little closer to where I am here on a weekly basis. But yeah, the parody was awesome. And, And at the end of the weekend, Jacob... We talked about last week how, you know, we've seen David Gravel kind of catch on fire a little bit here. Yeah. Of late. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to come back and win out to try and challenge for this championship, but this is great to see because this proves to us that what happened up to this point in the fall, like none of this was a fluke. You know, they didn't, they didn't just win 14 races out of a fluke situation. This team is on top of their game. They went into a little bit of a slump, but they're they're really hitting on all eight right now, and, and I love it. I love to see this. I do, too. I mean, this is a run the likes of which we hoped for, but maybe Tom didn't necessarily anticipate, and now not only is it 16 wins on the year for David Gravel, but that big one on Saturday night that – made him the National Open champion for the second time? Yeah, that came with a cool 50000 bucks. Well, and I don't know why we wouldn't have expected it. I mean, really, gravel out of all the drivers who have been trying their best to unseat the king of the outlaws, Donnie Schatz, from his throne for, for a championship change, it's been gravel that really, in my mind anyway, has been the most serious challenger at least on a consistency basis throughout the year we've seen other drivers get numerous wins but it's been gravel really that i think has provided the strongest challenge over time and you know this is a huge deal steve to to see gravel step up 
and do this. I mean, I think this sets up a run to the end of the season here, which is a lot closer than we probably would want to admit at this point. But this sets up a very interesting run to the stretch here, uh, down the stretch, I should say, for uh, Gravel and Shots and the rest of the group. I think this is going to be a fun next month or so here. I do too, and and what I think also is going to be interesting is we've got quite a few races, including last weekend at Williams Grove, that are up here in the Northeast, and, you know, David Gravel has had some big victories, and he has run very well up here in this region of the country, and I think that sets up very well. I think this plays right into Gravel's wheelhouse that, you know, he can still make a serious run here. We're coming up on races at Weedsport, Ransomville, Port Royal. I mean, we're coming up on some places that I think are really going to set up well for him. Uh, now, the World Finals, you know, when, when we end everything down in your guys' neck of the woods, that is the wild card, I oh, think, yeah. out of this whole deal. You know, th- there's, there's point-paying races you know, several days in a row to end this thing. And I really like our chances to to see a very entertaining finish uh, to see who's going to be the champion. Now, are you seriously telling me, Steve, that you think Gravel can come from 200 points back and still make a run at this? I mean, there's only about 12 features to go. We're running out of time here. Well, Jacob... Um, I was the same guy that told you Matt Shepard had no chance at the Super Dirt Car Series, <laughs> and boy, did he make a fool out of me. So <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and tell you for the second time in 2017 that a guy can't do it. Okay, so the difference between Matt Shepard and David Gravel is Matt had about, oh, three-quarters of the Super Dirt Car season to go at the point when you said he couldn't win it, and David's got maybe 10% of the schedule left. I just, unless Donnie falls apart, Tom, there's no way, is there? Well, again, can I, can we just like reinsert what Steve just said? Uh, there is always a way. I mean, but it's certainly, I mean, look, we, we talk about the wheel and modified tour on a different show. And we would have thought that Ryan priest missing two races in that championship chase would have taken him out of the opportunity to win that title but here he is going into their last race still in it down you know almost uh what a half a race or so but still very much with an opportunity if something bad happens and i think again if if donnie shot stumbles down the stretch here and gravel is able to capitalize a couple times it's possible. I mean, mathematically, at least, it's still possible. And if we've learned anything from this outlaw season, Jake, it's that just when you think you know, you're wrong. This is true. And speaking of knowing and being wrong, Steve, can we give some mad props to a couple of guys who won races during National Open Weekend? I know one of them you're a little disagreeable with in the fact that I believe it was you that called Greg Hodnett a bit of a loose cannon during this past weekend, and yet he still pocketed 20000 bucks for the Summer Nationals makeup feature win on Thursday night. And then there was this Australian guy that we've talked about a few times, James McFadden, who finally, after like 11 years, won an Outlaws race. 
I'll get to Big Fadden first. Uh, you know, that win was, it's one of those things that, like when we talk about with Tom here early in, in the in the segment, you know, this team and this driver, they've had great runs, and so when you think about it that way, should it be that big of a surprise? Maybe not. But to win it and get your first World of Outlaws win at Williams Grove against some of the best in the land, uh, you know, Outlaws versus Posse, uh, to get your first World of Outlaws win at the Grove, to get the the lift from Matthew Miller and, you know, have support of, of uh, a major racing sponsor up in this uh, area in the Northeast, there was a lot of things that came together for yeah. James McFadden to get that win the other night. That was huge. That was really huge. Now, on the Hodnet side of it, I felt like he was a loose cannon early in the week, Thursday night. I watched the highlights, Jacob, and and I and I asked myself, you know, Greg Hodnett, a driver of your caliber, who has won everything there is to win in Central Pennsylvania. What are you doing, man? You looked like a rookie out there, driving all over the place. And after Shane Stewart got by, you know, I guess Hodnett felt like Shane Stewart had done him wrong. And we see this on the short track level all the time. You go back and watch the video, Shane Stewart makes a pass in turn four, and Hodnett is hardly up to the right rear tire. And when you get to that point and somebody's passed you by that much, you got to lift. You just got to. Hodnett chose to stay in the gas. They made a little bit of contact, but they kept going. And then when they got to turn three, in my mind, I just felt like Hodnett went in and dumped him. And, and, I, and I don't understand it, because at the end of the day, Hodnett practically trashed a car, cosmetic damage-wise, and, and for what? Because you felt like you got wronged in turn four, and you just go down and dump a guy and destroy your race car in turn three. I didn't understand it. You know, that, that's, that's the part of the game, especially now, guys. You know, we're not, we're not in the mid-90s. We're, we're, we're in the... You know, we're in 2017, budgets are tight, race cars are expensive, and that kind of action on track, I just can't get behind. I, I don't care what level your team is at, what kind of budget they have to wear, I just can't get behind that. I think we would all at this table agree with you on that, Steve. I was personally a little disappointed with the way Hodnett raced all weekend long for the most part. It seemed by Saturday night he finally figured it out, but at that point it was a little too little and a whole lot too late for some guys in their weekends. It's unfortunate, but now we move on. Like you said, we head into a busy stretch of the schedule for the Outlaws, which we will talk about in the days to come. Obviously, they play a big part in one of the, I don't want to say necessarily cornerstone shows coming up this week during Napa Super Dirt Week, but certainly one that's going to be tremendously exciting that we will talk about on the other side of a break. Because when we come back, we preview Super Dirt Week and talk about some races that are technically the kickoff races for Super Dirt Week that have already had their own sense of drama. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back with more in a moment here on the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. 
Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. I knew we were going to come across that eventually tonight, and you know what? We talked earlier about Ben Rhodes winning a truck race, and I still can't get over how cool that was to see the enthusiasm, Tom, of a young guy getting it done. We love that around here. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens talking racing right now. The Dirt Tracks of America having a little fun and the Dirt Tracks of the Northeast having a lot of fun this week, Steve. We'll get to Napa Super Dirt Week in just a moment, but before we do that, there's a New Yorker in the news. You know why? Because the unheralded guy, the one who we all laughed at, that we thought, no way, he's not going to have a chance against two veterans of the sport. And yet, with two weekends to go in the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series season, and who is leading the championship but the Sweeteners Plus Car and T-Mac Tim McCready. Are you kidding me? Social media was ablaze last night, guys. Uh, once the finish came out and and the points were tallied and news started floating around about Tim McCready taking over the point lead. Social media was ablaze up here. Uh, It just, like you said, Jacob, you said it perfect. I won't say that, you know, the diehard T-Mac fans felt that he was ever out of it, but 
if you if you take a step back and try to think about it in, in an unbiased manner, you just felt like that was a little too much to overcome at the level of competition in which he's competing with. And, you know, I think there's two big stories here. Number one, you know, the, the comeback and, and the rally that the Longhorn house car and McCready is on right now. The other big story that might be equally as big, Jacob, or even bigger, is how much Josh Richards's team seems to be coming apart at the seams at trying to close out this championship. I'm not sure that we've seen this happen to Kid Rocket in the past because it seems that when he's been in position, he's closed the deal. And and Bloomquist right now has been kind of all over the place, but for Richards, it seemed like he had this in his grasp. And now it seems to be slipping, and now they've lost the points lead, and now they've got to come from behind. I'm not saying they won't do it or can't get it done, but this is kind of a a position we don't see Josh Richards in all that often. No, I agree with that, and I think the big thing to note here is if he were only 15, 20, 25 points back, I wouldn't be as concerned. But two races to go, he's got to make up 65 points in order to win this championship. I'm not saying he can't do it. We've seen him go on a tear and win races before. In fact, he's won the Pittsburgher before. He has won the Dirt Track World Championship before. So he's had proven success at both of the remaining venues on the schedule. I just think that both McCready and Bloomquist are running at a high enough level that to make up 65 points in two race weekends is a little bit of a tall order, though. We've seen that kind of swing over the past two races go in the other direction. So it's not to say it can't be done. It's just going to, I think, take a little bit of luck, frankly, Steve. The Pittsburgher 100 this weekend at Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. We're excited about that, but we are even more excited about the big, big, big things happening in the state of New York this weekend because all hail, it's Napa Super Dirt Week. And, guys, there are so many storylines. It, it's hard to cover. I mean, honestly, guys, we could take uh, we could take a, a whole two-hour program to try and go through all the storylines because there's a lot working and there's a lot of moving parts as we come into Napa Auto Parts Super Dirt Week. And before you even talk about the points battle and, and the players in this one, you know, there's not a deal. I want to I want to remind everybody, there's not a deal in place after this year as to where Super Dirt Week is going to go. The only mention in the media that I've seen about this was an interview that Brian Carter did on a podcast um, with, with the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars where one of their big tasks this summer was to find a permanent home for Super Dirt Week. That's not to say that we couldn't see Oswego get another year extension or maybe two if they're still searching for that permanent home. But that's something I'm going to be very interested tomorrow uh, at Media Day to see what news comes out of Media Day because that's when they announced it last year. As far as what we can tell surface-wise, it seems like maybe they've got Oswego figured out pretty well here. 
Um, but that's a big storyline. And then, of course, you look at the points championship, and, and Shepard is closing right in on Billy Decker. They had a tussle, we'll say, two weeks ago at Brewerton where they were racing for position, and Decker thought Shepard had done him wrong, and uh, they had some contact after the race was over uh, with Decker having some hard feelings about that. However, Decker picked up 20,000 large last night at Fulton in the Outlaw 200. Now, of course, that's not a dirt series race, but uh, 20,000 large and a big win at Fulton in a race that Decker has really seemed to figure out here over the last five years. Yeah. That gives that Mike Payne racing team a lot of momentum headed to Oswego. Yeah, it does. Let's talk about that race for a moment, Steve, shall we? Because there was a bit of drama here, other than Billy Decker winning the race. There was this little nugget that came out last week about how Matt Shepard was banned from being able to compete. And then, you know, Larry White doesn't even make the show, but somehow gets a provisional. So New York is broken right now. I'm sorry. I saw social media break Saturday night in regards to this race, and I don't see it getting fixed anytime soon. Just saying. Yeah, you know, it's it's a very polarizing topic up here right now. And you're either on the side of, you know, you, you just want to get to Dirt Week and get past the drama, or there's a lot of people that are, you know, looking at this and saying, you know, you can't ban, you can't ban drivers from events. And you know what, if you own a racetrack, yes, you, you can do whatever you want at said racetrack. And I'm not taking that away from the whites, but, you know, I, I just, I think that from a, from the fans, and, and I always look at things from the, the media and the public relations side of things. This was a PR nightmare for Fulton Speedway. And, and I just don't think that, you know, banning a driver from your event was worth all of the negativity and, and backlash that came from doing so. Uh, you want to hold a prestigious event, this is this is an event along with Super Dirt Week, Eastern States, Mr. Dirt Track USA, the World Finals. This is an event that stands above many, many other race events during the year. Why on earth would you not want the best of the best competing in said event? I don't understand that. I'll never understand that. But again, your sandbox, you can do as you please. Well, let me uh let me help you clarify that situation, Steve. Oh, wait, never mind. I can't. I don't get it either. I mean, that's just bizarre, honestly. And to me, it feels short-sighted. You know, you're making more out of something and dragging it on longer than it should be. Let it go. You're on the verge of the biggest event in your sport. Why are you blatantly doing the favoritism thing here, Jacob? I don't understand. There is no other way to rationally explain what John White and his staff did 
in this whole situation at Fulton with regard to Matt Shepard than to say they were just keeping him out because he had an issue with Larry and they didn't want him to play in their sandbox. And then you go and you use a provisional to put your kid in. Very, very dangerous. At the very least, as we say in politics, the optics are terrible. Well, the optics are terrible. And to me, I'll be that guy and say it. I think... It's exactly what it looks like, and what it looks like is the White family still being bent out of shape at Matt for getting in a fight with their son earlier this season in a Super Dirt Car Series race and wanting to keep him out of their sandbox because of that, because they're scared of another issue when Matt's, ever since he's been back, he's let his time on the racetrack do the talking and his performance on the racetrack do the talking and not anything off the racetrack it's disappointing that they would go to that level quite frankly but i just want to put it out of our minds because there's this 200 lap race at oswego coming up on sunday steve-o that i don't know some Stuart friesen guy has some momentum he's been running well in a truck lately and it's not like he's won this thing five times in the last decade or anything yeah and and you know what jacob i'm going to be perfectly honest with you i i am taking Stuart friesen for the for the win this weekend and and I you know it's not that I it's not that I don't appreciate how well Stewart's run I I, I just you always want to see a little parody you want to see some you want to see the the Kenny Tremonts the Vic Coffees who have won this race the Billy Dunns how huge a story that was that's the kind of story I always look for and hope for out of this race um, but Stuart Friesen just always finds a way to get it done. They've done it on strategy. They've done it uh, with just Stewart's pure driving ability. Um, and now they've done it at Oswego. I mean, they were great at the mile, but now they're doing it at Oswego. Like, they just find a way to win this race. And you're going to have to beat this guy to win the Oswego 2 or the, the Billy Whitaker cars and trucks 200 this weekend matt shepherd to me he's won the 200 in the past guys but i almost feel like matt is getting into that brett hearn slump in the 200 they've won the race but for some reason lady luck always finds a way to bite them somehow in this race matt shepherd dominated this race last year should have won the race um, had a lot of yellows, a lot of red flags. The engine overheated, and they had issues there that they just couldn't recover from. And, oh. and, and Hearn went through that kind of slump in the 90s where he had won this race, and, and he was, you know, Brett the corporate jet. But when it came to Syracuse, when it came to Super Dirt Week, Lady Luck always found a way to bite Brett Hearn. Yeah. And, and I just I, – Shepard's on fire. You cannot deny that right now, Tom. But I just, as far as picking a favorite or, or trying to pick a winner, you, you, you have to have that in the back of your mind because there's guys like Jimmy Phelps. There's guys like Max McLaughlin who turned some awesome laps yes. in practice on Thursday. And, Steve, that's Max McLaughlin is my pick to win, and I'll tell you why. I love your pick of Stuart Friesen. I love what you said about Shepard, but Max has gotten on a bit of a roll lately, has gotten out of his own sort of slump. And, you know, those laps he turned in, that car is hooked up on that surface, and it's a completely different track than last year. 
I think Max McLaughlin, Jacob, goes and wins the the 200, and I think he does it in style by beating the best in the sport. Well, I think somebody's going to win it in style, but I don't think it's going to be Max McLaughlin. You ready for me to shock both of y'all? Are you? Well, you can't. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> My pick to win Super Dirt Week is the Mud Bus. I pick Peter Britton wow. to win with Ray Graham Whoa. at Super Dirt Week. There you go, Steve. How's that? That very well could happen. Peter's already got a series win this year. And that's the uh, point. It's and, about momentum lately, and he has been so, so, so good in the latter stages of the summer. I just have a really good feeling about the new car they're rolling out combined with the breakthrough win. Everything's going right for him right now, and he's always been good, just not quite good enough at Dirt Week. I agree. I agree. And, and Tom, I'm sure, will love the thought of, the story writing itself. Peter Britton shocks the world to win Super Dirt Week with a car owner who has much, much history at Oswego Speedway. What a story that would be. Well, not to mention you got Double O Joe running the sportsman car, and he went from 15th to 5th in his Concy at Fulton over the weekend with no practice whatsoever. You give him some time at Oswego, and old Joe might just run for the win in the sportsman class, Jacob. And how cool would that be? Oh, gosh. A sw- they would burn a swigo to the ground if Double O Joe found a way to win in the sportsman. years old. Actually, if he made the feature, that, that'd be enough. He's won <laughs> twice on the with his Super Modified at the mile on the dirt. So this is not a driver who's not who who has no dirt experience. He could be a factor if that car runs well. Yes, he could be. Always fun, Steve. Love having you on. And I can't wait to break down Super Dirt Week next Monday. Let's crown us a winner in the 200 and go from there. We'll see you in a week. Yeah, sounds good. One extra note I'll give you guys before we go here. Tim McCready has to qualify in the top six on Thursday. He's got to go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway to race with the Lucas Oil Dirt Series which gives him no chance to run under Friday Night Lights or the win in your in on Saturday night. He has to make the top six to race in the 200 at Oswego. Keep your eyes on time trials on Thursday. I'm just going to say I think he can do it. I have a good feeling that Steve Ovens will be back with more. I think he can do it too, but he's going (laughs) to have to. He is going to have to. All right, Steve Ovens on Motorsports Madness. We're back with more after this. You're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. 
You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America, featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible with locations in mooresville north carolina and danvers massachusetts the staff at hms is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety stop into hms motorsport visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on facebook and tell them the folks from pmn radio sent you hi this is john andrasik of five for fighting here for rad the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm John Holloman, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza with you. Talking racing here on PMN and going to talk a little bit of open wheel racing at the particular moment because... We had a race over the weekend, James, and I'm sad because it was the last race of proportions that turned out to be much more fun than I anticipated at a track that I'm going to miss dearly. Why do we have to not go to Malaysia anymore? Money? I I don't like it when tracks run out of money and go away. Ah! It's not that the Sepang International Circuit has run out of money. It's just that the Malaysian government has decided that they don't want to fund their end of the bill on this and their end of the bill was a significant end of the bill uh, enough to the point where the race could not be held without the money that they were pumping in so mm. unfortunate set of circumstances but you know we live we make do we move on and we thank Malaysia for the great times years. that we had yep 19 years worth and what a way to go out by the way we thought it was going to be Lewis Hamilton. And then finally, Tom got smart for a change, or Tom's wishing worked out for a change, James, because lap four, Max Verstappen goes past you very much, Lewis. And he ran away. Like, what? <laughs> They're not invincible. They're still better than pretty much everybody else. But the Mercedes are not invincible. And the Red Bulls, I think, have made gains. And I will be very curious to see what they do next year now that they're getting that money from Aston Martin. That, yes, please. 
I I really think that could be interesting, and especially if that ends up being the way that Aston Martin go to provide their next round of support in addition to the GTLM program that's coming in next year. That's <coughs> engines. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's can we do that please? I want to see more people yes, besides please. Renault, yes, Mercedes please. and Ferrari in Formula 1. It's a little bit more fun. Wow, you didn't even include Honda in I'm that statement. Say, well, Ouch. You know, I mean, <laughs> no, because Honda's better at doing indie cars and bikes. Well, I agree with that and honestly, I think for Max Verstappen, unfortunately, I wished for him to win. I didn't pick him. I picked Lewis, but um, Lewis still finished second. Yeah. So, but it, you know, Max, Max has been, Max has been fast enough at a couple of tracks this year to run for a win, but Red Bull has basically been screwing him on strategy for a lot of this season, and then he's had Corey's broken, whatever. I mean, you know, this win along with the Aston Martin thing title sponsorship for 2018 might just be enough to make max feel better about coming back to red bull well, for next year and here's the deal at the end of the day and, and i was talking about this with our friend joel sebastianelli last week Where's he going to go? There is nowhere else to go that's even close to a premier level because Ferrari has re-signed Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen. Mercedes yeah. has re-signed Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas. There's nowhere to go. If you leave Red Bull, the only place you're going is way down into Never Never yeah, Land. that's true. I mean, and it's kind of, you know, that's why I was saying this win might, be, might make him feel a little better because yes. in some ways I kind of feel like He's sort of stuck at yeah. the moment. There's not a place for him to go. And, no, there's not. You know, I'm. I just haven't been real excited about the way that Red Bull has operated their program this year. Right. So, you know, again, James, maybe this win will change things a little bit. And like you said, with Aston Martin coming over, maybe 18 will be a little bit more like we're used to seeing Red Bull. Or the Vitellian Red Bull. Does that count as an adjective? I guess it does. I guess. Maybe. Uh, yeah, something like we, that. It's we our just, show. We can yeah, do what we want. It's a double po <laughs> hey, it was a double podium yeah. for Red Bull too, which I think was a very big statement at a time when they desperately needed yes. it. I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing how this translates into the remainder of twenty seventeen. And into next week. Yes. Because, and James is all excited because it's his favorite race of the year. Yeah, my favorite race of the year because it's my favorite racetrack on all of planet Earth. I absolutely Suzuka. adore Suzuka. I would marry it if it were a human in two <laughs> seconds and wouldn't think twice. <laughs> for, the, for all of those uninitiated, Suzuka Circuit, Japanese Grand Prix in one week's time. We're excited about that. James is more excited, though, about what's happening this weekend because... You came back just in time for Bathurst. Yes. Oh, man. How how do you even begin to talk about how nuts this is going to be? Because we've had a nuts finish the last five races, I'd say. Yes. Four races, five races. Yes. Um, you know, not, not necessarily crazy stuff uh, in the middle of the races, but I think of... 14 with Mostert and last year with the crash and 
the few mileage games that got played in 15, 16 with old J-dubs. And, oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, let's start with this, and then I know Cisco wants to get you started on a rant. But let's start with this thought that I had today, James. Jamie Wincup, though he is in the midst of a championship fight, is going to be risk-taking this weekend because, in Jamie's own words, winning the championship is great, winning Bathurst is what matters. And I think that becomes especially poignant when you consider the fact that he has not won at Bathurst since he was just busy thwomping everybody in that magical 2012 season. I don't think he's had anyone before or since that statistically was better than that. And he's come close a lot of times at Bathurst, but it hasn't quite come through yet. Last year, there was obviously the penalty that happened after he got old Garth Tender and Scott McLaughlin tied together and the redressing issue out of the chase. But That was just he, not good. It was not good, for sure, but there have been a few other cases, too, where he's had the chance to win, and he's been there at the end, and he just hasn't closed the deal. The fuel mileage one sticks out to me. Cisco? I was just going to ask, because, James, you mentioned this points championship battle, and, well, I'll just ask you straight up. Do you believe the hype? Does Scotty come out of nowhere in, in the Falcon and win this thing? The title or this race? This race. Does I think you have Bathurst. to consider him yes, as one please. of the favorites to win this because he he had been good at Bathurst before. He had shown, uh, I think, race-winning speed throughout a lot of his time at GRM. Last year, I think he had the ability to go run for it. I think uh, 14 in particular jumps out to me as another year. Had he not clipped the wall up in the cutting, I think he would have been there right at the end. And now... He's with a team that's been performing even better than the team he had at GRM did in the past few years. And now he's the points leader, and you just have to wonder, is this finally the year this particular Kiwi gets it done? That and also I have to you have to wonder because this season's been dominated so much by the Fords and we mentioned Jamie already, but the only other guy who's gotten a win this season in the Holden has been SVG. So do you think he has what it takes to stop this Ford onslaught from Colthard, from Chaz, from all of them and from Scotty to be able to hold on to the to hold on and maybe steal this win away for Holden? I think it's definitely possible. It depends on what sort of package they bring there and whether or not they show the speed. I think they've been a little bit faster. They were definitely faster here last year, I thought, than what they have been throughout the majority of 2017 and what I think we're going to see from them over the course of the weekend. But, you know, that's the thing about Bathurst. You've seen so much crazy stuff go down here and so many guys that you wouldn't think get on the podium, find a way to make it happen because this race is so long. I think of James Moffat, I think, what, two or three years ago, nabbing, I think, P2 or P3. Nick Percat landed on the podium when he was with Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport here. So, uh, you know, it's your, your favorites are going to be there. It's probably going to be one of these top-tier drivers that wins this thing. But 
I don't think we really have an ability to pinpoint which, especially in this race, because it's so much more wide open with the distance. And who knows? You know, I think we also have to take into account surprises were the story du jour at Sandown a few weeks ago when Cam Waters broke through for his first win. I don't think anybody would have bet on that coming into the weekend. So, you know, if, if Cam could go out and do something and step up to a level that we had not seen from him in the Supercars Championship previously, then to some degree, it's anybody's game. Pick your winner, James. Do it. Do it. Ooh, man. Uh, I love Scotty. I love Jamie. I love Shane. I love Chaz. But you love them all. Uh, I, I like a lot of them, but I feel like this is going to be one for the experience and one for the speed and the best combination I see at the top of the leaderboard. And in my mind, is that 12 machine of Fabian Coulthard. He had some pretty, pretty strong laps wow. that he laid down yeah. in the closing run last year, too. He just was off sequence with the fuel and didn't quite get the track position when he needed it. But he was quick enough. And I think this year he'll have the track position. And I think he will be the Kiwi atop that wonderful, wonderful podium at Bathurst holding up the Peter Brock trophy. Yeah, I believe it. You know what? I think a different veteran does it. And I don't think it's a Ford, actually, James. I'm going to disagree with you. And I'm going to say that guy who was really good back in his heyday at Bathurst is going to do it again. How about this for you? In a year where nothing's gone right, Craig Lowndes wins the Bathurst 1000 again. Could you get behind that? I could get behind Craig Lowndes and Steve Richards going up to the podium. You know, they've kind of done it not too long ago, if we remember. (laughs) Yeah. 2015, I believe, yes, if my memory serves me correct. That is very correct. That would be be the one. So I've got Coulthard, D'Alberto. You've got that. Uh, do we want to bother with Cisco's pick, or do we need to take it a break? We're going to break, and I'll get it on the other side. So we'll we'll hear what Cisco thinks when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Do you hear that? 
That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. We are back here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, talking racing, and Cisco before the break. I said we would get to you. I'm going to hold my promise before we get to performance picks. So... Let's have it. As I was saying off air, I'm getting on the hype train, boys. I've been on the hype train all season long. Kiwi hype train, hashtag don't stomp on the mat, hashtag Viva La France. DGR Team Penske steals the win at Bathurst. Well, I don't say steal. I honestly think that it's going to be them by quite a ways. And uh, Scott McLaughlin and Alexandre Primat are going to make it happen. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we, we've got both of the DJRTP cores represented between McLaughlin and Prema and then Coulthard and Tony Dalberto. And I've got the triple eight. And you've got the triple eight boys of Steve Richards and Craig Lowndes. No picks for Jamie or SVG. The literal triple eight. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I well aware of that. I know. Does Tom have a thought? I was going to say, yeah, Tom, do you want to break ranks? No, uh, Fabian Coulthard. Wow. Hey, Tom and right. Tom and James agree on something. Yep. Oh. Fabian. Well, Coulthard. well, well. It's time. Uh, yeah. How yeah, big that is? How big a party is there going to be in, in in Roger Penske's house if they win Bathurst this weekend, James? <laughs> Which one? I he's probably got. Would hope there would be. I heard though that he's not going to be down on the mountain this weekend, and I forget Aww. why exactly. But Pro- I did read somewhere that probably Roger because be he's going attendance. to be with us at Charlotte. Say, there's this this kind of NASCAR thing at Charlotte. It's probably more appealing to sleep in your own bed. Uh, I don't blame him for not wanting to make the flight. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see what Speed Cafe say while you introduce the next topic, perhaps. Not even a topic. We're going to go down the list and and have our performance picks for the week and. Hmm, Cisco, you're at the bottom of the heap again. <laughs> you're not good at this. You, the, the, no, the goal no, that... <laughs> I'm not because I like to get the flashy pick the that go- just the, crashes and yeah, burns. The, the, so. the goal is to really? score points, not to not Look, score Look, I points. got close in the cup race. You and I you both got close in the close. cup race. 
Yes. Well, Chase Elliott got close too, but he wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> close only. He wasn't the only one. I do recommend if if anyone's listening tonight, go out on YouTube and look up the reactions to uh, the race this weekend. It, uh, yeah. There's some hot takes out there. I will say. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Okay, so let's see. We got Xfinity and Cup. Uh huh. Is that it? Pretty much. Okay. Charlotte, go. All right. Well, Charlotte for Xfinity. I, the guy who finished second in this race one year ago is Elliot Sadler. The guy who finished right behind him is Daniel Suarez in the JGR car. I'm going to stick with this theme that we talked about a little while ago where JR is just going to be able to just outmuscle everyone else on just the amount of people alone. I'm going to say Elliot Sadler. Wow. Okay. Now, in the cup race, I look back. Austin Dillon got the win there before. Chevrolet was in contention at Dover, however. And I don't want to be that guy, but I got to jump on the Toyota train. Kyle Busch, three in a row. Uh, I was hoping you wouldn't. Uh. All right, Tom, you're up. Okay, well, you know, I look over the entry list for this race, and there are a number of cup moonlighters, so to speak. Uh, You've got Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon both running. Interestingly enough, Sam Hornish running in the 12 car. No cup drivers participating in that ride, and that car is... The 12 car or the... 22. The 12 car. Who's in the, the 22, 22 is Ryan Blaney. That is correct. So Hornish, Hornish is in the second car. Hornish wow. is in the second car. And uh, so you've got a few guys that are moonlighting, but not too many this time. Um, but, you know, the problem with Charlotte is it seems to always come down to something late in the race that makes the yep. difference here. So that's what makes this such a challenge to pick. Um, I'm going to go ahead, I think, and take Blaney to win his, uh, second Xfinity race in a row. And, um, just for grins for best in class, I'm actually going to go with the double zero of Cole Custer. Not just because he was sitting here earlier. No, I mean, I, I feel like this is a good track for Cole and, you know, he's been running well. I think Cole and William Byron are going to definitely be factors mm-hmm. in this one, but I think Blaney gets the win. Fair enough. I'll go, and because James oh, hasn't been. Oh, Jones is in the 20. I just wanted to Yeah. Tell I'll go, and then James gets to go last only because he hasn't been on in a few weeks. But uh, for me, Tom stole my Xfinity pick, so I have to agree with him. I'm forced to. Ryan Blaney in the 22 wins again because, well, I believe what I see. I, I sound more and more like you every day. See? It's scary. For the cup race. It almost worked last week, so I'm going to do it again. The all-time winningest active driver at Charlotte adds another notch, and just like he did a year ago, wins this race to move to the round of eight. Hi, Jimmy Johnson. I'm looking at you. I forgot to pick Cup. You did? I did. (laughs) Wow. Good job. So pick Cup then. Martin Truex. Next. Okay, <laughs> James. Dun, dun, dun. 
James is really thinking hard. He has to unmute his this. microphone, I yeah, think. Yeah, he he's really realize. thinking hard about this. Hmm. No, I actually had been thinking hard about this until you guys totally ruined Cub because you took the only three guys I actually have any faith in. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to start with Xfinity because I think this is going to be way, way, way more fun. Because here's the thing. Yes, we've got a few Moonlighters on this list. Yes, we've got some strong Xfinity guys on this list, and Xfinity regulars, I mean. But the most intriguing driver on this entry list, does anybody want to take a guess? Sam Hornish in the 12? No, not Sam Hornish in the 12 in my book. Probably the other one. Daniel Hemrick in the 21. No, because he's an Xfinity regular. Oh, okay. I don't know then. I'm confused. I am too. How about my pick for the weekend, Mr. Alex Bowman in the 42? Oh, right. I forgot about him. He's replacing oh, Kyle Larson this weekend. I completely missed yes, him. Yes, Alex. Can I change? No, I change? you can't. Too late. <laughs> a- Alex, and, and here's a news flash that we weren't able to talk about because it was released under the radar middle of last week. Alex Bowman replacing Kyle Larson in the Ganassi 42 Xfinity car, both here this weekend at Charlotte and at Phoenix in the penultimate race of the season. Very sneaky, James. I like it. And I also like a driver that has nothing to lose. Yeah, I saw that and immediately knew that's where I'm going with this because normally I wouldn't trust the sort of one-offers like this, but Bowman's got enough talent yeah, that he, he can walk in and get it done. Yeah, so. he does. That would be uh, fun, but I just it's hard when you haven't been in a car with a team to just come in the first time, especially in it, on this big of a stage, and just go out and, and pull off a win like that. But, boy, that would certainly – I think that would be a very popular win if he oh, could, yes, if it he could do it. Yes, it would be. Cuppers. Man, and Cup just got, like, really, really, really not fun because I just, uh, I don't know what to do here because the only three guys I really genuinely trust to win this race are Truex, Bush, and Johnson. <laughs> that's why you ought to, that's see, why you yeah. should pick the 42 of Kyle Larson. That's what I was going to say. You're, I see, I put Larson ahead of Johnson. I just don't see it for Jimmy Jimmy Johnson at Charlotte this weekend, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, could I do that? Maybe. Sure. Am I going to? No, because I don't know why I see this guy's name on the list that I like it. And I'm probably going to end up getting burned like he got burned last year when I think the engine went kaput on him. Kevin Harvick. Final answer. I believe it. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got enough time for one around the table here. And I'm going to go away from Charlotte because it's my show and I can. We saw a first-time winner in the Truck Series at Las Vegas, and we're going to Talladega next after a week off where we know anything can and probably will happen. Who punches their ticket as a first-time winner at Talladega? Cisco. And this is Trucks, not Cup. And this is Trucks. Yes. Uh, first-time winner? First-time uh, Ever? Yes. Um... Honestly, I don't think someone punches their chip. Their, 
their ticket this weekend, and Jacob knows why I was laughing at that. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> but we're not going. I don't going think anyone there. punches their ticket to the next round. No, 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 no. I did. I I didn't say next round. I said first time winner. Oh, first time winner. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna go out on a super limb here. Because why not? And because my record's been terrible this year. So you know uh-huh. what? I'm going to go crazy. Stuart Friesen, why not? Yes. <laughs> James. I was thinking Stuart Friesen and another guy. And I'm going to go with the other guy that I was thinking and just say J, 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 Haley? That would be Justin Haley. Perhaps. Formerly known as JJ. Yeah. Tom. Um, both of those are great picks. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it could be either one. If I had to pick for a first-time winner, I would probably pick Justin Haley. But, boy, Stuart Friesen's got some speed since he they went over to GMS support. So it could be yes. either of those two. You're neglecting the obvious here. And the guy who really, really needs a win, he needs some momentum, Chase Briscoe. Come on now. Well, you know, Noah Gregson's another one. Yes. I mean, that's why that question is a, it's an interesting question. But it's hard, and honestly, Talladega is such a crapshoot, but yeah. I, I feel like in the trucks, a veteran ends up winning more often than not. Well, <laughs> that's true, but we'll just have to see. Grant, yeah. Remember, Grant Enfinger did it a year ago that's, at Talladega, yep, just right. saying. That's and right. with that, we got to throw a checkered flag on this edition of Motorsports Madness. It's been fun. Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, And all the folks at PMN, Joe behind the glass, Joe King producing, pushing buttons, making us sound a whole lot better and smarter than we sometimes are. (laughs) Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, all of our Race Chaser Online crew. And for all of them, I'm Jacob Sumer reminding you to keep it off the wall. And folks, if you're going to Charlotte this weekend, we'll see you at the racetrack. Have a safe weekend till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.